0: <laughs> uh, we have the opportunity to hear one of God's messages for us And it's really really important title here I think that if we have our ears open We'll learn something we've never heard before And go deeper And here to give the split sermon today is, And his title is Thankful for all he does Mr. Mark McGarvey Okay, there we go. Well, I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving and a, a good week. It's a, kind of a, one of those, like me and Curtis were discussing before, one of those dreary November days where it's overcast, and, but we need the rain, don't we? We're in a severe drought here in Oklahoma, so we'll take it, you know? So this is the time of year um, to think about what we're thankful for. Um, we have our loved ones, you know, our husbands, our wives, our kids, thankful for our health, if we have good health, thankful to have a house or an apartment, wherever we own, or wherever we, um, we have, or even a car, motorcycle, in this great country. And I'm thankful about this great country to have the First Amendment where we can gather together peaceably and assemble and have a church service every Sabbath meet freely together like this. Um, you know, where we can talk about God, praise him, worship him. And like yesterday, um, little side note here, we went to over to Skeedy to bury my father-in-law's ashes. Uh, for those of you who don't know where Skeedy is, it's up there towards Pawnee, um, Stillwater, that kind of area, about an hour west, west of uh, Tulsa. Um, and in this great free country where we don't have a police state, we're able to do these things, go around freely. Not when somebody tells us to go, what time to do it, and when to where to do it. We can freely go and do these things. And we have a we had a nice little, want to call it a service. So, a ten, or ten, or eleven, twelve of us there, and we just um, we talked about. Although it's a sad and somber time, but we also talked a little bit about Dale, what he meant to us, um, how he was a, a funny guy. A smart guy, and as his son-in-law, I respected that he was a tough guy too. (laughs) He didn't mess with Dale, right? In any way, shape, or form. He was a tough guy, but a good guy. And he truly truly believed in God and was looking forward to the the resurrection and the kingdom. We look forward to seeing him there. And I'm thankful that he was in my life. He meant a lot to me. But What I want to talk about today is what is more important than all of our personal gratitudes in our lives. It is that we can be thankful for having a loving God who has plucked us out of this world and shown us his wonder, his grace, and his mercy. He's done that to each and every one of us. He sent his only begotten son to die for us so, they, so that we may live. And he has a plan for us beyond this world, beyond today. <coughs> and we should pray and thank him for that every day. So I have three points today. And I don't, I don't usually do points um, but in, normally in my messages, but I, th- I felt today this would be a good time to do it for this particular message. So it doesn't work for every message. But I've got three points, three ways we can connect with God and show our gratitude to Him. So the first point is we should be thankful for our calling. Thankful for our calling. The reason we're here today is God has spoken to us. He has chosen us. He's opened our minds and is showing us the way to His kingdom. So I want to show talk about that in our first scripture here, which is 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 2 through 14. That should come up on the screen here in a second. 1 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Is it up there? There you go. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, put me into the ministry, although, this is Paul writing his letter to Timothy, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I attained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are are in Christ Jesus. So Paul is telling Timothy, if God can call me a persecutor, which he was, he was a persecutor of the early church, he held the coats for those who were stoning Stephen, as as Stephen stoning, Um, he was a blasphemer, a violent person, full of pride, if he can do that, then he can call anyone. Plus, not only will he call you, he will welcome you with open arms as Paul tells Timothy a few verses later in chapter 2 and verse 4, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is what the father and son desire. And in my youth, I was sometimes a, a foul-mouthed, you know, drinking and ignorant guy. And you could say, oh, yeah, but you're Irish. Well, that's true, but, but it's no excuse, Right? It's no excuse. God can call any one of us, you know. So, in the summer of 2008, God started calling me, showing me scriptures, talking to me personally. It felt like He was talking to me personally, and uh, and I was baptized September 25th, 2008. But that summer, 2008, He was showing me things. He was opening my eyes to a few things, a few scriptures and leading me the way. And uh, the time had come. So, point one, we should be thankful for our calling. Point two, we need to be thankful for the promise of eternal life. Thankful for the promise of eternal life. We have taken on the Holy Spirit of God, that wonderful free gift he gives us. And with that, we can look forward spending eternity with God the Father and Jesus Christ his Son. I'm going to turn to first John chapter 2 verses 20 through 25. first John chapter chapter 2 verses 20 through 25. Verse 20 But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24 therefore let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning if what you heard from the beginning abides in you you also will abide in the son and in the father and this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life so we cannot have one without the other we can believe the father but not the son no it doesn't work that way and we can't say i believe in in jesus but not the father they are one and the same one and the same mind and in the same way, John is saying, you cannot believe in Christ, but deny that he came in the flesh. And John was there. John saw Jesus in the flesh. As he wrote in John chapter 1, the word became, became flesh. So God the Father and Christ wanted everyone to be saved. Okay? So part of Jesus' work on earth was to be bring as many to the truth as he could. Give them the chance, listen to his words, and follow. I mean, look at John uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Let's go back there and look at that real quick. I'll show you what I mean. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Yeah, John chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent believe in Jesus accept him give your life to him and he promises to give us eternal life and point number three, we need to be thankful for the promise of the kingdom of God. We need to be thankful for the promise of the kingdom of God. Jesus tells us in the, last, the very last chapter of the book of the, the Bible, Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12, And behold, I'm coming quickly, he says. And in verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And it says, as it says in my study Bible about Christ returning and the reward of eternal life for us, quote, this can be counted on because Christ is in control of all history and eternity. Let me repeat that. This is from my study Bible. But an interesting note, this can be counted on because Christ is in control of all history and eternity, end quote. He's been in control from the get-go. And right now, Satan runs the world and the governments of the world to that extent. But God is in control of the bigger picture. He has a plan. The plan is going according to, is working right now. The end times are not far away. But Revelation 19 and 20, if you want to look in more detail, uh, go into detail about how Christ will return. We've, we've read those many times, those scriptures, especially at the Feast Tabernacles. Revelation chapter 19 and 20, go into detail. And that's a promise right there. It's in the book of the Bible. It's right here. Jesus Christ will return. And I believe that with all my soul. i tell you that now. And I've mentioned it up here before. I fully believe, as most of us do here, that Jesus Christ will return. We don't know when that's going to be. We don't know what year that's going to be. If it's 10 years, if it's 30 years, we don't know. There's no That's not written down here, and it wasn't supposed to be. But we can believe that, and believe that with every fiber of our being. So, and we can pray and thank him for that, and pray that it happens soon. And let's look at one one last scripture here as I conclude. Um, the book of Colossians, chapter 1, and verses 10 through 14. One of the books that Paul wrote to the people that, at uh, Colossi, Colossi, or Colossi, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, but. Okay, Colossians chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. There you go. Breaking into what Paul's writing here to. to uh, people of Colossae, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. So the Father has qualified us to be partakers in the kingdom. We can't do it on our own. Christ's sacrifice is what gets us over the line. But we have to produce fruits, increase our knowledge, as it says in verse 10, patience and long-suffering. And let us be thankful, as it says in verse 13, that the Father and the Son, working together, save us from the darkness of this world and will bring us into the light of the kingdom. It's all in the Bible, brethren. It's in the Scriptures. Jesus Christ is coming back. It's there for us. We need to be thankful for it all. And that's why I I say we need to get on our knees and pray and thank God for all that he does for us. God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, set this plan in motion thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, and we are a part of that wonderful plan. One day we'll all be together as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. And that's, that's what it all means. That's the crux of the matter. Get down on your knees and Pray. That God will return soon. Be thankful that he's done for us now, but pray that he does return soon. So let's be thankful for all that he does for us.